This is a Sydney EO production. Welcome to episode 32 of the Sydney EO Business Podcast. I'm Brendan Tarazzi, the host of the show, and today I'm with Aaron Langer from Arms of Eve. Hello. Hi. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Very well. Happy it's Friday. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, now, I uh, recently met you through the Accelerator program, yep. um, only just in the last week, actually, and I thought you had an amazing story, and I was really keen to get it out to the EO community and uh, everybody else that listens to the program. So maybe if we can start from, um, obviously, a bit of an accent there, so just t- tell me you know, uh, tell me about the LA days. Yeah, yeah, yep. sure. So, yeah, obviously I'm North American. Yeah. I'm from the United States. And, uh, yeah, so I, I grew up in Chicago in the Midwest. And um, as I matured and got older, I, I got wiser and started moving west. And <laughs> I moved towards the sun and the warmth of Los Angeles and started my career in the entertainment industry, um, specifically in television. And, um, I, I was always a creative person. I was always a storyteller and I thought, well, that's, that's the place to be. That's, that's where kind of the biggest sort of, um, industry in terms of reaching that many people and telling stories and being creative is, and LA was a great place at that time. It was, uh, you know, a creative hub, lots of interesting people coming together, um, so what, what year was that just to give us a bit of a, a timeline that you've moved over to? Oh uh, yeah. The, I moved over there right after uni, um, in the States. So I must've been at the, at the ripe young age of 21 or 22. And, um, I, I literally didn't know a soul out that way. And you just, yeah. I just started like working it and really like working the network and trying to kind of find my way through this jungle. So this is like mid to late nineties. Is that? Uh, yeah, this would have been, this would have been late nineties. Late nineties. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. This was pre, pre nine 11. This yep. was days of innocence, you okay. know, and, um, and, and days of excess, you know, like LA and the film industry was kind of, you know, was booming and it's every um, young guy's dream, isn't it? it Being it in was. LA in the entertainment it, industry, you know, it was. And if you if you think back to those movies like Swimming with Sharks or you know uh, the Player, it, you know, it 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 was that. And I did have a really great experience. Um, it was often difficult at times because you know you're there's thousands of me's out there, and yeah. um, what makes what's my USP? Like what's <laughs> what makes me different from anyone else out there, and why yeah. should they? choose me over someone else so it was it was, you know, it was a very trying time and and especially being in your 20s it's you know I, I think that's kind of a difficult age as well because you're trying to figure out the world around you you're finally out of the confines of a parent's home you know school you know uni and you're out in the big in the big smoke and it's about okay what's next yeah and it's 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 all up to yourself to figure that out and I you know like I wasn't one of those kids growing up that was like I'm going to be a doctor and you know, you follow that, that one path forward. I being in, in the creative field, there's so many different outlets and where one can make a living. And often those, those career um, directions are sort of a bit vague when you're, when you're a young kid growing up, you, you, you never hear of like creative directors and, and art directors and, um, you know, you don't hear about these careers that are, and you don't really know how to even become that. So I was 
constantly reading like well and trying to meet people and trying to find and really mine information on like well is that for me is that what i can choose is that where i can go and there was always this pressure of like well what do you want to do what do you want to be and yep. i to this day i'm still figuring it out <laughs> so fast forward a little bit for us to uh you're running you've met your wife yeah we met in we met in la in at about 2000 um at the millennium and it was a a fast five day romance. Um, I was her last boyfriend on her year of travel. And then she returned back to Sydney and I kind of was like, well, well, now what? And I ended up, we ended up really staying in contact for a few, you know, a few years and visiting each other and really knew that that was, she was going to be part of my future, but didn't know quite how at that time. And I remember my first trip here to Australia um, to meet her family and to really understand what this place was about. And I instantly connected and again, didn't know how this was all going to happen, but it came to a point where one of us had to make a decision. If we were going to be together, one of us had to pull the trigger. I was older. I was six years old. I was finished with university. I had become really burnt out in Los Angeles on, in the television industry. I worked through Paramount studios and Disney studios and DreamWorks and, um, I just needed a change and I was just tired to be honest and Australia was just this kind of beacon of light and I came out here in my late 20s um, when I was about 27 years old. I left the United States. I was here for about seven years during that time and started at Foxtel and then I ran a music production company and then started producing TVCs, TV commercials. Met, uh, married the girl. So yeah. I, I, so that worked out. I, yeah. I, I came here, you know, conquered. And then I was kind of like, okay, what now that, that huge part of my life of coming out here to sort of secure that deal that happened. And then I was a little bit like, okay, I think I need to go back now to the States because I wasn't quite finished with the television industry. Mm-hmm. And I convinced her to move back. And that was, that was a tricky time. You know, I wasn't sure what I was going back for really. And when we went back, the GFC sort of struck and I was like, oh, great. You know, like what now? I I couldn't get hired back when I went back. Like, Like the studios were letting go of people. And I found my way consulting, um, using my production background in the marketing brand activation world. And that was quite exciting. It was just new territory for me. So that was my journey into my next phase of my career, which was in experiential marketing. I never knew what that word meant. And yeah. I was a creative director. So I was I was creatively telling stories, very similar to television in some ways, but telling stories in a 360 degree, three dimensional world where people would walk into a space and we'd be communicating to them through different touch points and different um, engagements. And that was really cool. I really enjoyed it. And um, we had two kids in LA and... Um, those, those babies were turning into little people and we suddenly started looking at the world around us there and said, well, this can't be good for them, even though it was really good for us. And were you running your first business at that stage? Yeah, yeah. we did. So, so Carrie, my wife is, she's a trained fashion designer. So she, she and I started our first business together there in Los Angeles, um, called Karen Lee. And this was, this is her, her name. So essentially it was. It was our first brand together, and we were a, a very much a traditional fashion business. We um, we were doing things untraditionally, but it was a traditional fashion business. We were um, at the very early stages of introducing North America to merino wool, and 
in Australia here, we understand merino wool. This is like our cashmere, mm. beautiful, soft, breathable, natural fabric. In the States, when we think about wool in the States, we think about those itchy Christmas sweaters yeah. that you constantly have this redness around your neck. So we were importing fabric. We were cutting and sewing this fabric into um, wearable clothing, women's clothing. And was that literally yourself or you had like, no, a, we, you had like a, a team of Mexicans doing it or something? Yeah, yeah. Uh, literally, like we, we, we didn't have our own factory, but we, we used our, the factories around us. So L.A. happens to, be a, happens to have a, a very large fashion industry there. Actually, the manufacturing is larger than New York. So when you think about fashion, you think about New York, but actually Los Angeles has a much larger fashion industry in their garment district. And so we had factories, we had cutters, cutting factories who would cut the fabric, sewing and then finishing. And we had, you know, showrooms that, that, that stocked our brand and they sold those sample collections onto the retailers. So it was, we were wholesalers to brick and mortars and we were in about 300, 350 stores across 18 states. And that happened fairly quickly for a mom and pop that we literally started yeah. this over the kitchen table. So, so does that mean you had like 350 accounts? Correct. Gee, that sounds like quite quite a big job to collect the money. And oh, I mean, you have no idea. Especially I mean, in fashion, I mean. Well, especially in those small boutiques because generally they're run by people who don't have great business acumen. So yeah. their their business skills and their cash flow was they were struggling. Yeah, so week to in, week kind of stuff. Of, yeah. yeah, in terms of our cash flow, in terms of outlaying all that money to produce collections, and then once we get the orders to produce those orders, then to deliver those orders, and then you know, oftentimes we had some terms. We were usually trying to be COD to try to collect that money as soon as possible because we had outlaid so much for such a long time. So it was tricky, but we, we were fairly successful in it. And yeah. um, we sort of put that on hold because we were still so small and so, still so startup, even though we had so many accounts, but we started having kids and we just couldn't manage everything at once. So we literally put the brakes on everything. So, so give us a feel of like the turnover of that business what were you doing at its peak do you remember um yeah it must it must have been three to four hundred thousand dollars at yeah. that point um about 10 years ago so it Which was is pretty sizable given that you like assume you're working out of your, your oh, living room or working like working that. out of our small two-bedroom apartment in santa monica yeah we we were kind of making all this magic happen yeah you know on a shoestring so it was great and we really cut our teeth in business together and especially in the fashion industry together on that and it was a really good learning experience like it was really positive and every year growth every year there was there was growth upon growth upon growth and, and you were still working as a creative director at that point correct. as well correct you know that so, sounds like a bit of a repeat of what's happening at the moment Aaron but. well exactly so i'm still i'm still a creative director still in the activation marketing world i still that's my that's my day job and we now we have arms of Eve, and I'm still kind of that's my night job. Yeah. So and so so just to close off that LA um, chapter, you had the kids, and you decided put the brakes on for a bit. Yeah, and then what was the point and, where you well, moved we, back to Australia? Yeah, we decided like, hey, we've 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 got to do something. We've got we've got to move out of here. I think, and that's how, that's how we felt in our guts. We came over here for about a month. We checked it out. Had a bunch of meetings. I felt more confident about being here and then we mm. just pulled the trigger and it it was a really exciting time a good move we see that it's been amazing for the kids and then for us it was a little bit of like a reset for us so yeah. we, we came over here we started arms of eve really on the back of the karen lee fashion business because we still had a lot of remaining fabric that was expensive and we 
you know, we decided to cut that fabric into scarves to not create any sort of wastage once you start cutting patterns. So is it almost like the things that you didn't enjoy about the previous fashion business, you sort of solve those problems by creating something that didn't have those well, like seasonality, for example. It, well, exactly. And even sizing, like yeah. it was a one size, it was an accessory. It was, um, you know, it's always hard to get rid of those extra, extra smalls or the, oh my gosh. The, you know, the extra larges. You know it. I mean, if you think about it, you've got like one style, you've got five or six different sizes and four or five different colorways. I mean, you're talking about, that's a lot of stock. Yeah. So we really wanted to simplify the business. That was our learning out of it. We wanted to go into a, one size fits all scenario. Yep. We wanted to e-commerce retail, e-tail it ourselves. Yep. We didn't want to um, um, stock brick and mortars anymore. We, we felt like that was kind of an aging model and we wanted to kind of be part of this new e-commerce business. And um, we started at the markets and we just saw that there was... Um, so that was Paddington and Bondi? Yeah, or? exactly. Yep. And and we've, we've done some one-off markets like there was some Etsy markets that we've done and, and we really saw like wow there's a hunger for this kind of stuff and then we we literally we launched the business and um tell us about the name incidentally because it's oh, a really cool name yeah and, um, arms of eve so it we were looking for a name that sort of resonated for us um before we even thought about you know like kind of forming this this business and we were i remember the day specifically we were out on a walk we were walking to the cliffs we were like bondi to kuji or something yeah and we started running through names and we really wanted to adorn women we really wanted to accessorize them and when you accessorize a woman it's generally around her shoulders it's around her arms so we were started with the, the idea of this notion of arms and eve being the first woman, being the, 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 the ultimate woman. So Arms of Eve just sort of, I think Karen just blurted it out and I was like, that's it. Like we were just yeah. like, oh my God, that's it. And it just sounded great. It had a nice, it had a nice um, feel to it. And then we started going through kind of that creative of figuring out, well, what does that really mean? And, and to be honest, we're still trying to figure out what that really means. And we're, we're really figuring out our why. I mean, we're, we're two, almost two years into the business now and it's been doing great. And we're on the iconic and people are starting to know who we are. And we're still really honing in on who it who it is that we are. And um, and I think that's a really important process is, is really understanding your why and really understanding yeah. what you're about and what differentiates you from everyone else. And so you started the markets. What was the next step after that? To we're still you know, at the markets. So let's, let's I, didn't re- I didn't realize. Yeah, that. yeah we're, cool. we're still at the markets. Okay. Um, you know, it's a it's a great sense of it's it's great cash flow for us. Yeah. And it still gets us out there. And it's important to connect with your customers, especially as as an e commerce brand. So it's really a place where people can touch and feel. Yep. Um, so. Karen was doing it herself every single weekend. So I was like singled out on the weekends and, and yeah. losing, losing my mind. And we, we eventually started hiring some people who can run those markets for us on the weekend. So we have some girls that, that are market girls so for us. Is that still profitable? Because that's it's not that common with um, market businesses. It's normally owner-operated. So you've worked out how to make it, it work? It or? is. It is. And and we really incentivize our girls too. Like we, we pay them a nice hourly, but we also give them a cut of the sales. Oh, nice. So for them, it's kind of their own little business. And, you know, for these girls who are in their mid-20s, um, much better than working at a cafe. I mean, they're oh, yeah. they're out in the sun. They're in that market vibe, and um, 
Potentially, it's a, a scalable model as well. You could go to other states. And, True. Yeah. So, the, so it's it's working really nicely, and you know, for us, the cash flow is really good out of those markets, and we really use that to fund kind of a lot of the operating costs, to be honest. And it's we can depend on that money every single week, mm. so it's a nice extra source of income. So it's great. The, these days, the most people pay with cash or card. I'm I'm just curious because I I, I think I mentioned to you I had a market business. Yeah, in the I, early, I I remember. I didn't know yeah. if we, we we wanted to get into that, so yeah. you know exactly what I mean. Yeah. Um, these days, it's you know it's definitely more card. Yeah. Um. So we use Square, and everyone taps, and yeah. everyone's used to that. But I'd say about thirty percent of that is a cash business still. Yeah. Right. Okay, 70 percent is card. It's interesting because it, yeah, when I was doing the markets was probably two thousand four to two thousand six, something mm. like that, and it was probably the Opposite. other way around. Yeah, so it might have been like twenty thirty percent cards, yeah. and the rest was cash. So yeah, just interesting how the economy has changed. You, now. you know, it's a cultural thing. I think. A, I think it's a cultural thing because I mean. Like, I don't even remember the last time I went to an ATM. Like, it's yeah. just, it's almost inconvenient. It is. And it's very like, to be able to, even through your phone, just be able to tap, like, it's always there. It's always easy. And when people are walking, sometimes they're not carrying cash, but they've always got their phone. Yeah. And on their phone, they're they're paying for things. So it's it's pretty incredible. And you were saying the Iconic has become a bit of a, yeah. a channel for you. The Iconic has, in some ways, legitimized us as a business here in Australia and New Zealand. Um you know, there's a lot of startup businesses in, in, in our territory and women's, you know, fashion accessories. And um, it sort of put us on the map. Um, not only does it aggregate a really great um, audience of people um, and, you know, the, a, a huge amount of our sales are coming out of the iconic, which is still a good thing. You know, I'm, I'm still always worried about, you know, like. It should come. It should come through us. It should come directly to us, and not not necessarily like missing that margin, but really about having that relationship with the customers. When you work through the iconic, those are iconic customers, and it's very clear in your contract with the iconic that you can't directly communicate with them. Right. So it's it's very clear that they're iconic's customers, and you know I think we're we're seeing like now we're we're kind of investing in SEO, and we we have a digital marketing strategy, so we're we're seeing customers come to us because we offer free shipping and we 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 are that next day like next day ship ship out as well like for us there's not a huge difference with the iconic in terms of being in australia new zealand and even internationally um because of social media we're shipping a lot of global orders out and, oh, okay and we're doing free shipping internationally as well so do you, you know on your website it says it's 30 bucks uh there it would be 30 bucks if it's it might be an express if that's international. So, um, but we do offer free shipping nationally and internationally, if anything, if they spend over a hundred bucks, then it's, it's a free ship. And and so international sales, what percentage would they make up? Um, Including the iconic uh, overall. International. I mean, I guess if you include the iconics, New Zealand portion of that, um, because that's the only international that would come through the iconic is, is NZ. Uh, that would probably, it's still small. I mean, that would equate to, to about maybe 20%, 20%, 15%. So we're still very much an Australian brand and that's fine. We, we're just, you know, we do have plans to obviously take this into new, into new territories and new marketplaces, but that, you know, we've got to do that. Yeah, step by step, still, by step, because once you start going into new, like we feel like we need to button up all of our all of our sort of practices here before we start taking it somewhere else. And especially as you, as you start scaling up and moving into new territory, you need to have support of cash flow because great, you're going into new territory with, with a whole new audience. They're going to be ordering. 
and yeah. we need to be able to fulfill that. So, yeah. so it's all about, you know, going in at the right time and, 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 and really not screwing ourselves by, by getting into a marketplace where we're overwhelmed. It's a lot, a lot easier to fix problems when you run into them at home as well. Completely. You know, like <laughs> yeah. once it goes overseas, it's a whole, I would yeah. imagine it's another I, I, I think so. And you know, that's, that's why I think like we really, we still have a lot of work to do here. Like I said, we're, we're, we're not even two years old yet. We're nearing yeah. it. So um, we're excited about that and it sounds very sexy to go global and to do all that yeah. stuff, but you've got to go at the right time. And, and we need, we need to, we need to basically, um, really have a button up strategy on when and how we, we do that. So the orders are going out every day at the moment. Yeah. The orders are going out every day. We're literally picking and packing them ourselves. Yep. We, we still run out of our, we, we have a, a great space, but we're, we're running out of the house here. Um, but Right now, it's I don't know if you're aware. It's a afterpay day. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that afterpay. Okay. Yeah, I know, I know all about afterpay. Yeah, yeah, and it's amazing. They've created their own little digital um, sales day that's kind of oh, taken Australia by storm, oh, and wow. everyone's jumping onto that. So okay. you know, like I think retail's hurting. Um, yeah, big and, time. I, and I think like you know, like those sales that that we jump onto, like you know, Black Friday and Cyber Monday and all that stuff, like. That's that's all great. That really sort of encourages, um, you know, sales. This after payday has also done the same thing, and we're we're so slammed. It was one day, which the iconic stretched into an additional two, and so we were kind of like as a brand going, okay, well, we're going to do the same because we have customers coming directly to us. So everything's been on sale for twenty five percent off, which has been awesome. Um, it's been really good and we're, 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 we're finding new customers through that, which is, which is really terrific. So we've been, we've been really busy. Um, it's been really late nights of picking and packing and, uh, it's, it's been great. And so, um, where to from here? It seems like, you know, you had the, you had the original fashion business, you've come back to Australia, you've improved things and it's like, there's no real stopping you now in a way. Like yeah. It, it I, seems like it, there's a lot of blue sky for you. I, I think so. I mean, I think we're really excited for the future ahead. I, you know, for me personally, I would love to be spending more time in, in the business. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm still kind of like financially responsible, um, for the family and our lifestyle until we can transition over and, and do that more on a full-time basis. Um, but it's been really great and it's really been awesome to see this start from zero and, and have have really sort of gone from strength to strength and, and we're really trying to um we're really trying to to make our products better constantly yeah. we're trying we're, we're we're constantly innovating we're constantly upping the quality and um we're we're thankfully karen's such a great designer and she she really knows how to forecast beautifully so in terms of kind of knowing what that next thing is She's always been that far ahead, and sometimes she's a little bit too far ahead. So we're we're in a really good spot. We we sort of play in that trend space a bit, but we're also kind of pushing into, um, you know, the, the next the next part of who we are and what we're about. And um, we've got a really exciting new collection that we're um, developing right now. They'll be ready for summer. So we're really we're really pumped. Ah, oh, brilliant. Okay, well that's um, probably wraps up the interview now. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today, Aaron. Thank you, Brandon. Um, can you tell us for people that are interested to visit your website? Where can yeah where can yeah? Find you? I mean, you, if you just Google Arms of Eve, so it's armsofeve.com. You can just jump onto that. If you're on Instagram, it's at armsofeve. 
Um, we're pretty easy to find. Uh, hopefully, our SEO is working. <laughs> so um, yeah, g- give us a shout. Um, and um, it's been great talking to you, Brandon. Okay. See you later. See ya.